Let's open our Bibles to Proverbs, the third chapter. This is our third lesson, our third lesson since we've started Proverbs. And we got down through verse 18. And we're talking about the man that finds wisdom. If you'll go back to verse 13, it says, Happy is the man that findeth wisdom, the man that getteth understanding. And that tells many things about it. Verse 17 said, is where we close, Her ways are the ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. We're talking about the ways of wisdom. And understanding. These kind, this way and the ways of wisdom and understanding are pleasant and they're peace. And then in verse, six, uh, verse 18 it says, She is a tree of life to them that lay hold upon her, and happy is everyone that retaineth her. Wisdom, God's wisdom, divine wisdom, is a tree of life. Remember, the Lord told Adam to uh, not eat of that tree. He drove him out and would not let him eat of that tree of life after he had sinned. And he was restricted in uh, Genesis 3, uh, chapter 3, verse 22. It says, And the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become as one of us to know good and evil. And now, lest he put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore, the Lord God sent him forth from the garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he was taken. And there he was forbidden to take of the tree of life after sin entered the world. And here it says wisdom is she is a tree of life to them that lay hold upon her. And one day in the future in the book of Revelation chapter, uh, let's see what chapter it is, chapter 4, chapter 3. Revelation chapter 2 and verse 7, it says this. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. So the promise to return and be able to eat of that tree of life is in the future for all of God's children. We were forbidden to eat of it because of sin. You know what? This was a gracious provision even then. Someone says, well, was God God, uh, not... Uh, good to man in that instance, he was the very best because he didn't want man having the sentence of death in him to eat and live forever in a corrupt state. You see, wouldn't it be awful to live? Troy, we saw the condition of Troy. We've seen others. And we know what this old body is with sin, don't we? And we know what has happened to us. Uh, The wages of sin is death and we're all going to die. But listen, if we were to live eternally in a state of horror, in a state of disease, in a state of sin and death, that would be the most horrible sentence that we could have experienced. So God says He pushed man out of that garden, lest he eat of that tree of life and live forever. And later on He provided it a salvation. And then He says, later on we're going to eat of that tree of life throughout eternity. And we won't have to do it in a corrupt body. We'll do it with an eternal body, a renewed Body, a body like the Lord Jesus. And we know not what we shall be, but John says we know that when He shall appear, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. And it says, And every man that hath this hope in Him purifieth himself, even as He is pure. You know, you've heard this old argument that if I thought I had eternal life and was going to be with the Lord, I'd go out and live a mean and ungodly or violent or sinful life. You wouldn't either, because the Bible says that this is an encouragement to a godly life. It says, every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself. It doesn't cause you to live ungodly. Because you live God. And these people that turn the grace of God into lasciviousness and say that because they're saved by grace, they can live any old mean and ugly way, they're, they're, they've misunderstood God's Word. That's what's wrong. That's never an argument. And 
salvation by grace is not a license to sin, but it's rather an encouragement to live a holy life. And so, here, let's look at this. In verse 18, she is a tree of life to them that lay hold upon her, and happy is everyone that retaineth her. You retain wisdom. Don't just get it, but retain it. Keep it. In verse 19, the Lord by wisdom hath founded the earth. By understanding hath he established the heavens. Look at that. When these people come along with their idea of the bang theory and the and the all kinds of theories of creation, what does this say? The Lord by wisdom hath founded the earth, and by understanding hath he established it. That means that there was some uh, that there was a divine mind and plan and purpose in the, all of His creation. It didn't just happen. God says, this is what I want, and this is the way it will be. Amen. You want you ladies, you go out and you design something on uh, to, to sew, or you, or you design something on a canvas to paint. Well, you have a design behind it. You, uh, the men that design something in the shop to make, they draw a pattern. They say, this is the way I want this. God says, this is the way I want the heavens and the earth. And all this, this galaxy within our view and the galaxies beyond the galaxies, which is none of our business. He made them. And if He wants us to see them, He'll give us the, eye, uh, the vision to see into them. It kind of amused me. They came out about uh, three or four weeks ago. And one of the scientists said that they found a galaxy that was older than creation. And they couldn't understand how it could be older than creation. I said, yeah, that is kind of mind-boggling, isn't it? <laughs> well, how was, how's it there? You know, we think we're so smart. And our little old mind is just like a, a bird brain. I mean, it's little. It's like, it's just tiny. It, it's not, it doesn't amount to very much. God's mind is, is overall. And... When these fellows come out with all these theories and all these ideas, we got it figured out exactly. And then they find something that just contradicts everything they've studied for hundreds of years and scientific developments and all the archaeological discoveries. And they dig up bones of a dinosaur as long as this building and etc. And they found out there was another one that's different than they found before just recently, you know. But anyway, they didn't think there was such a creature as the one they found the last time. But it's God by wisdom. Look at that. It says, The Lord by wisdom hath founded the earth, and by understanding hath He established it. And that means that He keeps it in perfect harmony, or else the whole universe and every galaxy and every part of the whole universe would fall into a chaotic condition. And if you look over in the book of... Uh, let's see if it's the book of... of uh, first, uh, Colossians, the first chapter, it says... In verse 16 and 17, For by Him were all things created that are in the heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by Him and for Him. Now look, in verse 17, And He is before all things, and by Him all things consist. The word consist means they're held together. They're held in their proper place. God, by His wisdom and power, He hath established them so that they're held in their proper place. And then in verse uh, 19, back in our text, I mean verse uh, 20, verse 20, hold your place in the Proverbs where we're studying. It says, By His knowledge the depths are broken up and the clouds drop down the dew. How is it that the, the uh, water goes up into the clouds? And then it comes down upon the earth, leaves the, not only the rain, but leaves the dew on the ground? 
God's, in other words, here, the circulation of the water in our atmosphere and in our earth and in the seas and the rivers. It's all here and it just, it just makes a cycle and it cleanses itself and we, the, the water's dirty and filthy and God says, I have a cleansing way to, to purify it and he sends it down and we drink it and it's all okay. God does that. And he set this system in a part of his plan. By his knowledge, listen, the depths are broken up and the clouds drop down the dew. God governs all of these things. It's because he has control of them. You know, remember how dry it was a month ago? And now look at it. Beautiful, green everywhere. You can't mow the grass fast enough. By the time you get it down, it says it's up there again. So anyway, look at this in the next verse. We come into the second, into another section of this. And notice the paragraph here. It says, "My son, let not them depart from thine, let not them depart from my, my, thine eyes. Keep sound wisdom and discretion." In other words, do not let this wisdom and this these uh, things that we just studied depart from your eyes, your eyes of understanding, and keep sound wisdom and discretion. So shall they be life unto thy soul and grace to thy neck. As you live in this way, so shall they be life unto thy soul. As you keep them, then it's going to benefit you this way. Look at verse 23. Then shalt thou walk in thy way safely, and thy foot shall not stumble. Walking with God. Good management on God's sound principles gives you the things that you need. Look at this. When thou liest, uh, it says, uh, when thou liest down, thou shalt not be afraid. Yea, thou shalt lie down, and thy sleep shall be sweet. Have you ever heard of people say, well, I'm just afraid to go to sleep? And I know some people are lonely. And if you live alone, it's a different situation. But God's Word gives you the answer. If you let God's wisdom be uh, your guide, you'll have confidence. God is uh, and you'll have security and you'll have safety. When thou liest down, thou shalt not be afraid. Yea, thou shalt lie down and thy sleep shall be sweet. God is our keeper day and night. And then it says, Be not afraid, verse 25, Be not afraid of sudden fear, neither of the de- desolation of the wicked when it comes. Sudden fear. Are you always afraid something is going to happen? Be not afraid of sudden fear. Some people live day by day just waiting for that terrible thing to happen. Don't even imagine it. Don't even talk about it and don't even think about it. Don't let it come out of your mouth. Sometimes when we speak it, it happens. you know that? Job said, listen now carefully to this. The thing that I greatly feared has come upon me. Where did it start? It started in Job's fear, didn't it? Then it happened. The Bible says, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. That's a better route to go than always live in fear. Because what you fear may just happen. So let's don't fear it. Let's say, God, I'm in your hands. I want to trust you. And then if something does happen, it says what? It says, be not afraid of sudden fear, neither of the desolation of the wicked when it comes. In verse 26, for the Lord shall be thy confidence and shall keep thy foot from being taken. God makes all things work together for his glory and for our good. It says all we know that, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. So let's trust God. Then it says in verse 27, Withhold not good from them to whom it is due, when it is in the power of thine hand to do it. Say not, in thy, not unto thy neighbor, Go and come again, and tomorrow I will give when thou hast it by thee. It said that he gives twice. Who gives promptly. When you see a need, don't wait. When you see a need, give it then. You get those two verses? Look at them again. Withhold not good from them 
to whom it is due, when it is in the power of thine hand to do it, say not unto thy neighbor, Go and come again, and tomorrow I will give, when thou hast it by thee. If you have it by thee, right then is the time to do it, not to wait. Do not hesitate. In verse 29, Devise not evil against thy neighbor, seeing he dwelleth securely by thee. Practice no evil. Devise not evil. Do not do any evil, because he dwells by thee. He is your neighbor. Verse 30, Strive not with a man without cause, if he have done thee no harm. In other words, if you have to do it in self-protection or self-defense, it might be a different story. But it says, Strive not with a man without cause. Sometimes we make a cause when there is no cause. We as human beings have a way of doing that. We don't need to be doing it. We don't need to be making trouble. Jesus said, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they are the children of God. It's a lot better to make peace than it is to cause trouble. It's better for all of us. All the way around. Let's try to learn to do that. And then in verse uh, uh, 31, it says, In thee thou not the oppressor, and choose none of his ways. The oppressor. Those that oppress God's people. In Psalm 37, verse 1, it says this, Fret not thyself because of evildoers, neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity. You've heard me quote from Psalm 73 time and again. Let me give you this. Psalm 73 And this is a good psalm concerning this kind of a thing. Uh, The psalmist said, Truly God is good to Israel, even to such as are a clean heart. But as for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped. I was on slippery ground. I was like walking on ice. For I was, and here's why, For I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. And he tells and goes ahead and describes it. This says, Envy not. Back in our text, hold it. Envy thou not the oppressor, and choose none of his ways. Look in verse 32. It says, For the froward is abomination to the Lord, but his secret is with the righteous. The froward is the perverse. In Psalm 24 and verse 14, let me see this. Psalm 24 and verse 14. I want you to listen to this verse. No, that's not the right reference. I'm sorry. It may have been another reference. I have. It might have been a Proverbs. We'll skip that one because I may have the wrong reference for it. Okay, let's look at the next verse. It says in verse 33, The curse of the Lord is in the house of the wicked, but he blesseth the habitation of the just. The habitation or the dwelling place, the heavenly family. He blesses that family. Surely he scorneth the scorners, but he giveth grace unto the lowly. God's grace is given to the lowly of the meek. Or the humble. In verse 35, the wise shall inherit glory. Heaven is God, uh, the inheritance of God's people. But shame shall be the promotion of fools. In, in the fourth proverb, we have the picture here of a lifelong pilgrimage. A lifelong pilgrimage. And it's divided into three sections. The first one is verses 1 through 9, and you might put the word seek. Seek. Just one word. And then verses 10 through 19, choose. First of all, seek. Verses 10 through 19, choose. And then verses uh, 20 through 27 is concentrate. You seek out this wisdom. Then you choose. You make a choice. And then you concentrate upon it. If you'll let that be three guide words for this chapter, it'll be, it'll be good for you. Look at verse 1. It says, So here, hear ye children the instruction of a father, and attend to no understanding. What are we to do? We're to hear. How does faith come? Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. He says, For I give you good doctrine, forsake ye not my law. Good doctrine, or solid, sound doctrine, sound teaching. Some people do not want doctrine. It's all through the Bible. It just simply means teaching something very uh, definitely that people can understand, that they can lay hold upon and fasten upon. 
And let it be a foundation for their faith. And so it says, For I give good doctrine, forsake ye not my law. In verse 3, For I was my father's son, tender and only beloved in the sight of my mother. Look at that personal influence. Father's son, tender and only beloved in the sight of my mother. In verse 4, He taught me also and said unto me, Let thine heart retain my words. Here's the teaching He taught me. Let thine heart retain my words and keep my commandments and live. We not only need to hear them, verse 1 says here. Verse 2 tells us He gives good doctrine. Verse 3 tells us it comes from personal influence. Verse 4 tells us that it is what? To be retained. And it says, keep my commandments and live. It's life. Verse 5 says, get wisdom, get understanding, forget it not, neither decline from the words of my mouth. In other words, decide to get it, strive to get it, seek to get it. Get wisdom. It doesn't say, do you want to get wisdom? It says, do it. And get understanding. You know, this would be a good charge for uh, high school students when they graduate, wouldn't it? To get wisdom and get understanding. Forget it not. Neither decline from the words of my mouth. And by the way, they used to let you go over there and give such a charge. They don't do it anymore. Isn't that a sad state of affairs when in our high schools that young people cannot be challenged in a spiritual atmosphere to go out and put at least some spiritual things in view uh, in, in their lives as they go out to combat in all the battles that they'll fight in this world? That's sad. In fact, I think I heard a a baccalaureate message on this very thing, if I remember right, not too many years back, before they started shutting you out of the school, the high school. Now you have to get out if you're going to have that kind of service. The Bible says, get wisdom, get understanding, forget it not. Neither decline from the words of my mouth. And it says, forsake her not, and she shall preserve. For This is for boys and girls, for young people, for men and women. Forsake her not. What? Forsake not wisdom and understanding. Forsake this wisdom that you get in verse 5 and this understanding that you get. Where do you get it? From verse 4. He taught me also. And let thy heart retain my words. Keep my commandments and live. It comes from the teaching of God's word. Where it comes from. In verse uh, 6 again. Forsake her not and she shall preserve thee. You'll be preserved. And love her and she shall keep thee. Look at the safety and security. And then verse 7 says, Wisdom is the principal thing. This is the main thing. This is the starting place. This is the beginning. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom, and with all thy getting, get understanding. Same thing nearly as in verse 5, right? Wisdom is the principal thing. What did it say in the first chapter? The fear of the Lord. I believe it's chapter 1, verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. And then there's another passage that says, uh, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's not only the beginning of knowledge, but it's the beginning of wisdom. Wisdom is the principal thing. It's the main thing. Therefore, get wisdom, and with all I get, and get understanding. Verse 8 says, Exalt her, and she shall promote thee. What do you exalt in your life? The wisdom that God has given you? If you do, that's what will promote you. That'll, that's what will give you an advantage. If you'll lift that up in your own heart, and lift that up as the principal by which the principles by which you're guided, wisdom and understanding, coming from God's Word. It says, uh, exalt her. That's to lift up, isn't it? And what will happen? She shall promote thee. Someone said, I never receive a promotion. The Bible says, promotion cometh not from the east, nor from the west, nor from the north, nor, nor from the south. But promotion cometh from the Lord. Right? It's God who promotes. So if God promotes, why do you and I need to worry about it? If we'll follow God's Word, He'll do the lifting up. 
We better do what we're supposed to do. Exalt her and she shall promote thee. She shall bring thee to honor. Look at that. When thou dost embrace her. Don't be like that comedian. I don't want to call his name. Roger Dangerfield, isn't that his name? said, I get no respect. God will give you all the respect you need. Look here. She shall bring thee to honor. What? When thou dost embrace her. Love. That means you love her. You love the wisdom of God and the understanding God's give, God gives you. And what does she do? She will embrace you. It says, when thou dost embrace her. Or you should embrace her. In verse 9, she shall give to thine head an ornament of grace. And it says, it, it says a crown of glory shall she deliver to thee. An ornament of grace and a crown of glory. And then verse 10 says, Hear, O my son, and receive. Now, here you have the choice of receiving all that you've been taught. You're told what to do. You need to seek it and get it. But here it says, we're beginning to see that you have a choice in the matter. Hear, O my son, and receive my sayings, and and the years of thy life shall be many. Are you going to choose to receive them or choose not to? It's a matter of choice. Verses 10 through 19. He says, I have taught thee in the way of wisdom. I have led thee in the right path. If you've been taught in the right way and you've been led in the right way, are you going to choose to go in the wrong way? That's what a lot of folks do. Isn't it sad for boys and girls to be taught the way of truth, the way of right, and then go in the opposite direction? Now, there's not, if, if you find some that are not taught, they need to be taught, right? But for young people to rebel against that teaching and go in the opposite direction. That's a sad situation. And by the way, for grown-ups to do it, it's the same thing. There are many grown-ups, adults, you and I, that have been taught the right way, and yet they go in the wrong way. You get a glimpse once in a while, if you're turning your television channel and get a glimpse of some of those talk shows, you'll find that the whole public, from small on up to grown-ups and 60s and 70 years old, are corrupt. It's not just a few... And it's not just a certain segment of society, but you'll find that there's all kinds of people that have, they know better, but they don't do better. It doesn't excuse you either. No brother Wendell's in the law enforcement. Ignorance of the law is no excuse, right? Brother, if you, if you break it, you're, you've had it, haven't you? Same way with God's Word. Someone said, well, I didn't know any better. I think you did. And I think I can prove by the Bible that you did. Look in the book of Romans chapter 2. Romans chapter 2. And I, I want you to see this. In verse 14. <clears throat> now, we know the Jews had the written law, didn't they? But it says in verse 14, For when the Gentiles, that's you and I, that's everybody but Jews. Romans 2, for, verse 14. For when the Gentiles, which have not the law, do by nature the things contained in the law. In other words, what the law has forbidden. They break the law. They commit adultery. They steal. They do wrong because the law says thou shalt not. And when they do by nature the things contained in the law, these having not the law are a law. They've got a law to them unto themselves, which show the work of the law written in their hearts. See? God wrote a law there. You say, well, I didn't know anything about the Ten Commandments, but God wrote a law in your heart anyway. He said, well, if you don't have the written law like the Jews, I'll write one there and you'll have that one. And he wrote that on Jews and Gentiles. Because the Jews, they, they had the written law and they also had this one. And it says, uh, their conscience also bearing witness. Now look. And their thoughts the meanwhile accusing or else excusing one another. In the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. And he goes on to explain that it's going to come back home to you. You're going to be judged whether you think you need to be or not. 
And don't go with this plea of, of ignorance of God's, you know, say to God. You're not going to be able to stand and say, God, I didn't know any better. The Lord's going to say, yes, you did. That's what he's going to say. And, and we, we're going to have to give an account. He says, every man shall give an account of himself to God. And all of God's children will appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Not to see whether we're saved or lost. If we was lost, we wouldn't be there. But to see if we've done what we should have done, we'll be judged according to our works, according to our fellowship, and according to our whole life. And I've given you three references in the New Testament in times past to show you these. What's going to be? Our works are going to be judged. Our fellowship with one another as Christians. And our whole life. And so we better be careful how we live our life. We better be careful how we work and serve for God. And we better be careful how that we judge. It says, why dost thou judge thy brother? Or why dost thou set it not thy brother? For we shall all appear or stand before the judgment seat of Christ. That's the fellowship. The other passage, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, where it speaks of our works, shall be tested and tried by fire. And the other one says... Uh, that every man shall be account, given account of the deeds done in the body, whether they be good or bad. So that takes in our whole life as Christians. But there's a great judgment for those who have not trusted the Lord. All right, let's get back to this. Uh, notice verse uh, 11. I have taught thee in the way of wisdom. I have led thee in the right path. And remember, you, we're talking about choosing the path of wisdom. What is morally and practically right. When thou goest, thy steps shall not be straightened, and when thou runnest, thou shalt not stumble. Not stumble, because you'll be going on a smooth path. See, it'll be on the right paths. I have led thee in the right paths. And God's paths are right paths. Verse 13 says, Take fast hold of instruction. Now, does that mean to reach out and grasp, grasp it just, you know, haphazardly and say, Well, you know, I don't care if I keep this or not. It says, take fast. You take fast hold. If you were going to hit a, a baseball or a softball and you get a hold of that bat, you're going to just flop it around in your hands like that? You're going to have to take hold of it, aren't you? He says, take fast hold of what? Instruction. Let, not, let her not go. Hang on to her. Let her not go. Now, that's not talking about your girlfriend. <laughs> That's talking about instruction. Of course, some of you, you need to not, not let her go either. It says, keep her, for she is thy life, right? And we, we want to keep her too if she's that. But it's talking about instruction here. Take fast hold of instruction. Let her not go. Keep her, for she is thy life. If we had as much energy and as much effort to take hold of God's instructions as we do many other things in life, we'd be sound in the faith. We wouldn't be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine by the slight of men, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. Take fast hold of these things. And this, we're going to close in just a minute, but look at this. He says, uh, enter not into the path of the wicked, didn't we say earlier that God's Word said, say no? Back in the first chapter, was we found it, it says uh, in verse uh, 10, first chapter, My son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. You see, God's Word taught, it, taught us to say no long before we come up with that kind of a theme nowadays. God says, consent thou not. In other words, just say no. And here it says much the same thing. Enter not into the... To the path of the wicked, chapter 4, verse 14, and go not in the way of evil men. In other words, this path is to be rejected. Look in verse 15. Avoid it, pass not by it, turn from it, and pass away. Well, that's some negative thoughts about it, isn't it? It says avoid it. Go way around it. If you see something, if you see a 
pothole down here in the road with your automobile and you're heading down there and you say there's a great big old pothole and you swerve the car and you avoid it, don't you? And what it says? It says, uh, pass not by it. That means get completely away from it. And then it says, look at the next one. Turn from it and pass away. Get on away from anything. We're to, talking about a complete avoiding of the pitfalls of life. And instruction will help us to do that. And then look at this. For they sleep not except they have done mischief and their sleep is taken away unless they cause some to fall. You know, there are some men that are zealous for evil. If some men are zealous for evil, should not we have a zeal for good? In verse 17, for they, they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. But, here's the difference, and we'll close with this one. The path of the just is as a shining light that shineth more and more into the perfect day. It's as a bright shining light. It's as the light of the dawn. It's a new day coming. The path of the just is as a shining light that shineth more and more into the perfect day. We'll have to stop there. We'll pick up with verse 19 in our next lesson. Chapter 4, verse 19. Remember that place and we pick up there. We thank you for your patience and your kind attention. And do pray for us tomorrow. Pray for the services. Let's stand. We'll be dismissed in prayer.